Welcome back to Lethal. Let's talk about death row inmates. This week, I'll be covering a California death row inmate. This week, I'll be covering a California death row inmate. I'll be covering Scott Lee Peterson. He was convicted for first-degree murder of his pregnant wife, Lacey Peterson. This case was covered nationwide, but I wanted to cover this case because if you haven't heard, his death sentence has been overturned. So let's jump into the case. At this point, I usually go over some background information about the state I am covering, but this is a pretty long case, so let's jump right into it. So once again, I have a glass of wine and I'm ready to jump into the case. This week I'll be covering inmate number V72100, Scott Lee Peterson. He is housed in San Quentin State Prison. On August 24, 2020, his death penalty sentence was overturned, although his conviction was upheld. So let's see why his sentence was overturned. Scott was born in San Diego, California on October 24, 1972. Scott grew up with six half-siblings. He had a very normal life growing up. He was very passionate about golf, and he was actually one of the top junior golfers in San Diego by the time he graduated high school. In 1990, Scott attended Arizona State University on a partial golf scholarship. Scott was later kicked off the team due to some team drama. He transferred later to California Polytechnic State University. His teachers described him as a great student. While he attended school, he was also working at a restaurant. Scott would later meet his future wife, Lacey, in 1994. After the two met, Lacey told her mother that she had met the man that she would marry, the man of her dreams. The two hit it off and started dating. Their first date was a deep sea fishing trip, and those aren't cheap. The two dated for two years and got married. The couple moved to Lacey's hometown of Modesto. They were moving so they could settle down and start a family. The two bought a three-bedroom, two-bath house in a nice neighborhood. In 2002, Lacey and Scott announced some exciting news. Lacey was pregnant. When Lacey was seven months pregnant in November, Scott met a woman named Amber Frey. She was a massage therapist. Amber states that Scott told her he was single and he was ready to meet someone. So the two began a romantic relationship. The last time Scott's parents saw Lacey was a week before Christmas. On December 23, 2002, everything seemed normal. Lacey and Scott went to get their routine haircut with Lacey's sister, Amy, and Lacey spoke to her mom around 8.30 that night, but everything changed on December 24, 2002, the day Lacey went missing. Scott claimed to have last seen her around 9.30 that morning, right before he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. He says she had a whole day planned. When he was leaving, he said Lacey was watching a cooking show, and she was preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, then walk the family dog. Later that morning, a neighbor found the Peterson's golden retriever named Mackenzie and returned her to their backyard between 10.10 and 10.17 in the morning. About a half hour later, another neighbor claims to have found the dog wandering around with a muddy leash around 10.45 in the morning, and that neighbor also returned the dog back to the backyard. 
When Scott got home, I'm not sure of the time, he found Mackenzie in the backyard, but Lacey wasn't home. Her car was there, but I guess he didn't think much of it, because she could have gone for a walk or been doing something. He ended up showering and washed his clothes and didn't think much of it. When 5.15 rolled around, Scott called his mother-in-law to see if she had heard from Lacey. Her stepfather, Ron, was so worried he ended up calling the police. When investigators John Bueller and Alan Brocchini um, responded to the call, they found Lacey's car keys, wallet, and sunglasses in her purse that were in a closet. The dining room table was set, and a phone book was open on the counter, and it was on an ad for a defense lawyer. At this point in time, I wouldn't be thinking of getting a lawyer quite so soon, so I think that is a little fishy. So when he was questioned, detectives say he was dead calm compared to the rest of the family that was taking the news very hard. He didn't seem upset or distraught or even bothered by her disappearance. So this case actually really reminds me of the movie Gone Girl. It's a great movie. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. The investigator Bueller had his eye on Scott as being the prime suspect because his demeanor didn't match a grieving or worried husband. According to ABC News, Bueller said, I quote, I suspected Scott when I first met him. Didn't mean he did it, but I was a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his lack of questioning. He wasn't like, will you call me back? Can I have one of your cards? Or what are you guys doing now? End quote. According to CBS News, Bueller says, I quote, Oftentimes, a victim who is left behind is firing tons of questions at us, and we didn't get any of that from him, end quote. Scott initially told people he was going golfing, but he told police he went fishing at the Merkley Marina, but he didn't know what kind of lures he was using or what kind of fish he was even trying to catch. He also left a voicemail for Lacey at 2.15 saying, I quote, Hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley, end quote. So do you think it's weird that he stated the time in his voicemail? Is this something everyone does? Because I know I don't. Police launched a search in the area because Scott was so inconsistent with his story. Police suspected foul play. However, they were not so suspicious the first few hours when the missing person report was filed. Lacey's parents defended Scott and said that the two were a happily married couple having a baby. The family loved and trusted him. On January 24, 2003, a press conference happened one month after Lacey Peterson's disappearance. Amber Frey came forward to reveal she was having an affair with Scott. She said, I quote, I'm very sorry for Lacey's family and the pain that this has caused them, and I pray for her safe return as well, end quote. Amber Frey came forward to detectives to let them know she was having an affair with Scott for about a month. She met Scott on November 20th and he told her that he was a single man. She had her doubts about him and wondered if he was married, so she confronted him on December 9th. He told her, I quote, he said he lost his wife. This would be the first holiday he was without his wife, end quote. This was December 9th, weeks before the disappearance even happened. Amber let police record phone conversations between her and Scott to see if he would confess or say anything about Lacey. One conversation they captured was days after Lacey's disappearance. Scott told Amber he was in Paris to celebrate the holidays. He made this phone call before attending Lacey's New Year's Eve candlelight vigil. 
After Amber came forward on January 24th, Lacey's family no longer trusted or believed Scott Peterson's innocence after learning about the affair. Lacey's brother came forward and stated Scott admitted to the affair but cut off communication with her family. You would think a grieving husband would want to work with his wife's family to find her, but not in this case. The family was upset, not even with the affair at this point. They were upset that Scott stated his wife died two weeks before her disappearance and stated it would be his last holiday without her. This makes him question if he was planning on killing her at this point in time. On April 13, 2002, a decomposing body was found on the shore of the San Francisco Bay in the Richmond Point Isabel Regional Shoreline Park, near Berkeley. It was a baby's body that was found with its umbilical cord still attached. According to Associated Press, it was revealed that 1.5 loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and there was a cut on the baby's body. The next day, a pregnant woman's torso was found a mile away from where the fetus's body was discovered. The body was so decomposed, it was almost unrecognizable. On April 18th, DNA results verified the bodies were Lacey Peterson's and her unborn child, Connor. An autopsy was performed by a forensic pathologist. No cause of death or date was determined for Lacey. She suffered from two cracked ribs, but they were not able to determine if this occurred before or after her death. Her upper torso was emptied of her internal organs except for her uterus. The internal organs protect a fetus, but since it was empty, this explains why the fetus was expelled from her body. But they were not able to determine if this occurred when the fetus was alive or dead. When the bodies were discovered, investigators were worried that Scott was going to try to run for the border. His parents lived in San Diego, and this is pretty close to Tijuana. At this time, the FBI and the Modesto Police Department carried out forensic searches in the Petersons' home, Scott's truck, his boat, his toolbox, and his warehouse. Uh, mitochondrial DNA testing was performed on a hair found on pliers that were in Scott's fishing boat. These hairs matched a hair recovered from Lacey's hairbrush. During this search, police also found handmade concrete anchors. Police believe this was made to weigh down Lacey's body. Police searched the bay to find the concrete anchors, but nothing was recovered. On April 18, 2003, Scott was arrested. He was meeting his brother and father for a game of golf, he claims, but police found this odd. Scott had dark brown hair, but his hair was dyed blonde, and his car contained $15,000 worth of cash, Viagra tablets, survival gear, camping equipment, four cell phones, and his brother's driver's license. But of course, at this point, Scott had an answer for everything. He claimed he was living out of his car during this time, and he changed his appearance because of the media attention. He said he had his brother's driver's license because he used it the day before to get a discount at the golf course. But of course, police suspected he was planning on fleeing the country. On April 21, 2003, Scott was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances, which included first-degree murder of his wife, Lacey, and second-degree murder of his unborn child, Connor. He pleaded not guilty, and he was held without bond. January 20, 2004, the judge changed the venue of the trial from Modesto to Redwood City. The judge will change the venue of the trial in order to have a fair jury. This happens if the trial has been made has made media attention in the area. Scott's trial began on June 1st, 2004. The defense argued that the investigation was not thorough. His defense team stated there was a lack of direct evidence tying him to the murders and 
understated the circumstantial evidence. So let's talk about the evidence. There was hair found on pliers found on Scott's boat that was a match to Lacey's hair. They were able to match it through DNA comparison. Prosecutors also presented that Scott changed his appearance and bought a car in his mother's name. Just a couple days after Lacey's disappearance, he also added two porn channels to his cable service. If your wife goes missing, I think your sex drive would go down from stress and anxiety, but what do I know? Around the same time, Scott traded in her car for a truck and wanted to sell the house. The prosecution also shared the recorded telephone calls he had with Amber. The prosecution stated his motives for the murder of Lacey and his son were due to his desire to be single again since he was having an affair with Amber and since he was having financial problems. On November 12, 2004, the jury convicted Scott on two counts of murder. On March 16, Scott was sentenced to death by lethal injection and was ordered to pay $10,000 for her funeral cost. Jurors were interviewed and many stated that Scott showed a lack of emotion during the trial and once they heard his phone calls with Amber, it really displayed how guilty he was. Scott took out a $250,000 life insurance policy on Lacey, but that money was appointed to Lacey's mother. Scott was moved to the San Quentin State Prison on March 17, 2005. In September 2006, a congressman sent a letter to the California Attorney General arguing that Scott did not murder Lacey Peterson. He stated that she was murdered by a satanic cult. On July 6, 2012, Scott's attorney filed an appeal regarding Scott's sentencing. He argued that Scott did not receive a fair trial. And in 2015, his defense team filed a response stating that the certified dog used to track Lacey's scent at the Berkeley Marina had failed two out of three of the tests with similar conditions. In August 2018, his defense filed another reply stating six claims of deficient performance by the trial attorney, stating he failed to call experts in for fetal growth, dog scent, how bodies move in water, and the attorney was supposed to bring in these experts but never did. Also, there was juror misconduct. A juror did not answer questions during the selection process truthfully. According to AP News, a juror did not disclose that she was a victim to a crime. This juror was beat by her boyfriend while she was pregnant, and during this time, she obtained a restraining order against her ex-boyfriend's girlfriend. She feared for her and her baby's life. This juror voted for Scott to seek the death penalty, but since she did not disclose she was a victim to a crime, the defense team was seeking for a new trial. On August 24, 2020, his sentencing was overturned. According to AP News, the California Supreme Court overturned Scott's death sentence because prosecutors improperly dismissed potential jurors who disclosed they personally disagreed with the death penalty but would be willing to impose it. And on March 7, 2021, according to CBS News, Janie Peterson, Scott's sister-in-law, said there is new evidence that could claim his innocence. Janie claims there were sightings of Lacey walking the dog after the time Scott left for the fishing trip. And if those sightings are true, then Scott could not have killed Lacey. Retired Detective Bueller stated there were no witnesses that saw Lacey that morning. He said there were multiple pregnant women in the neighborhood and they could easily be mistaken for one another. Janie claims this is what happened to Lacey. Across the street from Lacey and Scott's house, their neighbors house was being burglarized that morning she went missing. Janie suspects that Lacey confronted them and the confrontation ended badly. However, police arrested the burglars quickly.
Scott is now 48 years old, serving at San Quentin State Prison, and yes, I have written to him, but I have not heard back from him. I imagine he gets a lot of mail, especially since the sentence was overturned. So, what do you think? Do you think it's fair that Scott's sentencing was overturned, or do you think Scott should be executed by lethal injection? Let me know what you think. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review on Apple Podcast. Go follow my Insta at lethal underscore podcast. Feel free to shoot me an email at lethal.tcpodcast at gmail.com. I also wanted to give y'all a heads up. Next week, I will not be releasing an episode, so I'll be releasing an episode in two weeks. Next week, I'll be out of state, so I just thought I would let y'all know. So I'll see y'all in two weeks. I will be giving you a new case and a new inmate and see you then. All the information used in my podcast came from the following sources. AP News article by Brian Melly, CBS News article by Chuck Stevenson, ABC News, Wikipedia, and CDCR website. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see y'all in two weeks.